Jesus could return at any time, and Pastor Ray Bentley points out our assignment until that day. We must be about the business of our Father until He comes. You have a responsibility, and with knowledge comes that responsibility of accountability before God. So if you know the will of God, be faithful. And if you have been called to serve in some way, serve the Lord with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. As we await the return of the Lord, He doesn't intend for us to just sit and soak in our own impatience. He'd rather we stand up and be about our Father's business. And what is that business? Helping others be ready for the return of the Lord. Some great insight on that assignment today from Pastor Ray. Here he is to begin. There are different metaphors for how you should live. And, um, you know, life is like a battle. It's like a race. Here in the Gospel of Luke, it's as if Jesus himself was sitting among us and telling us it's like a servant who is waiting for his Lord's return. It is entirely possible that before tomorrow morning breaks, uh, the Lord could come tonight. There's no prophecy that we're waiting for uh, to be fulfilled in an hour that you think not. And probably most of us doubt that he is going to come tonight. So it's a perfect setup (laughs) that the Lord could actually come tonight. And part of the reason for that, the Lord wanting us to live that way, is that the Lord realized that in the world, when people put all their emotional energy and talents and time invested in this world, there's a lot of worry and anxiety, especially when those things are taken away, tampered with, or you lose uh, some of your 401k, which becomes a 201k, and then, you know, on down it goes. But he says, hey, if you were a servant who was waiting for his Lord's return, and the Lord could come today, and if the Lord does come today, You don't have to worry about anything. How many are glad you won't have to, there are no, you don't have to go to work if the Lord comes tonight. There's no bills that you can pay. There's no earthly burdens that will continue on. And the exhortation of tonight is be faithful until he comes. Luke chapter 12 and uh, beginning in verse 40, I'll, I'll pick up there. It says, therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So we're to be watching and we're to be waiting. Then in verse 41, then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season. Blessed, verse 43, which that word means, oh, how happy is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. 
But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and then to eat and drink and to be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more." This is an interesting little parable that Jesus tells. Again, the faithful servant is the one who is looking for his Lord's return. And then he begins talking about what we're to be doing. We're to be watching. We are to be waiting for his return, but that's not all. We're not just to be sitting around as, you know, holy people kind of drawing, as it were, our holy robes around ourselves and sitting around just waiting alone. We are to be watching for him, to have our eye to him that he could come at any moment and waiting upon him, which means to serve him as he leads and guides us. And we're also to be working as servants for the king. Though the king has gone away, he has given to us, there's a business. And every person within the kingdom of God has a responsibility and a role. And believe it or not, God has a master plan of reaching this world that he loves uh, so desperately. And his plans are so detailed that you and your name and your abilities and your gifts and your calling and your talents have been written and prescribed for a particular work that you and only you can do and fulfill until he returns. And you will be held accountable for that calling, for that, those gifts, for those talents, for those abilities that he has given to you. Have you been faithful? So we watch, yes. We wait, yes. But we don't watch and wait, and that's it. We watch, we wait, and we work for him. Even now, it's not like we live our own lives down here because we know we're going to heaven and then when we die and go to heaven, then we begin the kingdom business. No, the kingdom has already begun. The kingdom has already come in the person of the king. And, and this is the best definition I ever heard of the kingdom of God because we're not used to a kingdom. We read about it in fairy tales and places far away like in England and it's a romantic distant thing to us. But the kingdom of God is wherever the king is. And the king dwells inside of you and me. So his kingdom has already come. There's another sense in which it will come outwardly manifest here upon the earth in a huge way at the second coming. But if Christ is already in your heart, the kingdom of God has come in you and therefore we have a responsibility uh, to be faithful, taking care of the sheep, watching over them, loving them, protecting them. And I want you to understand this. We have wrongly, I might add, in our minds that those who have greater responsibility, in other words, more sheep, are more valuable to the Lord. This is not true. You could have a handful of lives that you have been called uniquely 
and your talent, your abilities, uh, you know, just a, a few to watch over, to protect, to pray for, to minister to, to love, to disciple, uh, to invest in. And you are of equal value to one who has, you know, multitudes that they watch over. Each one in the eyes of the Lord and from the, the mentality and the heart of the king, one is not more important because one has greater responsibility. God seems to enjoy the uniqueness. And if I might add, he seems to rather relish in those smaller places, in those more intimate callings and settings. He himself avoided the crowds, though he did that, and though he ministered to the multitudes. Most of Jesus' time was spent with individuals. It was spent with even just the 12. And he loved that and he enjoyed that. Uh, so I just encourage you that if you have a small, a little flock as it were, you have been highly privileged of the Lord to live and to experience that which he himself modeled for us. And then if you are faithful, you will be rewarded. Matthew chapter 25 verse 34 is a parallel passage. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, let me say this. I think that there are some tremendous surprises coming when we get to heaven. I think that there are some, and I'm totally open to this. Uh, you know, you may look, oh, Pastor Ray, he's got hundreds or thousands of people that he is overseeing. But the potential is there, and it would be no uh, better or no less but it may be that when I get to heaven, the Lord will have me in a very uh, small, intimate little setting that would be my calling. Who knows, for an Adrian or whatever. Some of you that have handled maybe a handful or two that you've been responsible for and you feel like you've been rather neglected or unnoticed as the world carries on. But because of your devotion and your sacrifice and your faithfulness, the Lord may give you a vast multitude because your character that was formed in those small settings, humble settings, without recognition, without attention. And he says, because you were faithful with these 12, I can give to you an entire city in the kingdom of heaven. And therefore, I reward you with this. And you will be like, oh my, how, me? How in the world could I? Because you do not realize the Lord watches, he observes. He sees and he knows that if you can be faithful with a few, then you can be trusted with much more. If you are constantly saying, oh, I've only got these many and the ones I have are, you know, I wish I had a different group. And you're always looking over, I wish I had that group or that gift or that calling or that responsibility. And because you're always looking somewhere else and you neglect those few, well, then maybe you will have a smaller reward when you get to heaven. But in Revelation chapter five, verse 10, Jesus in the very first chapter here reveals himself to John when he's on the Isle of Patmos. And it says here, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on earth. You and I have been made part of a royal family. I know that other translations say that he has made us a kingdom and priests to our God. But still, Jesus is a king. And if we are the sons and the daughters who have been brought, born into and adopted into his family, guess what that makes us? We're part of the royal family. 
How many think it's cool that we're part of a royal family? I think it's overwhelming, it's amazing, it's awesome. We'll find out what that's like when the Lord comes. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. At Maranatha Radio, we've received so many cards, emails, and social media messages expressing appreciation for Pastor Ray's teaching. Pastor Ray was my pastor, and my heart hurt when I found out that he was gone from our presence. I know that he is greatly missed by so many. I always appreciated how he took time to talk to people. He was just so kind and full of love. I considered him not just my pastor, but my friend. And I'm thankful that this is not goodbye, as we will see him again in heaven someday. Listener comments are so encouraging. If you'd like to express your thoughts and tell us how these messages have impacted your life, would you take just 60 seconds and write an email? Send it to ray at raybentley.com or post it on our homepage at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now, verse 45, here's the alert warning. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying, he's not coming today. He's not coming soon. We don't have to worry about it. In fact, he's probably not even coming in our lifetime. Been 2,000 years. If that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming. Now, believe it or not, there are those who do teach that the Lord may not come back for thousands and thousands. And one book commentary I read said maybe another 10,000 years before he comes. I don't know about you, but that that doesn't encourage me. (laughs) It doesn't inspire me. And so, you know, they, I think they believe in the Lord and they know the Lord. Okay. But it's not a very inspiring Bleep, but the idea they're delaying. There are others who say, well, the Lord cannot come. In fact, I know, and they will tell you, I know that the Lord cannot come. He won't come now, and he can't come today because this has to happen or that has to happen. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus was saying to his disciples in such a way that he could come at any moment, starting then. And that hope has, yes, carried the church for 2,000 years. I believe with all my heart that Jesus taught in such a way that even that generation, Peter, James, and John, expected it's possible. Remember Jesus said in John chapter 14, I go to heaven, I'm preparing a place for you. When it's finished, I will come and take you to be where I am. And I think that whole first church, uh, the book of Acts, thought that maybe Jesus would come back in their generation and in their lifetime. Now he didn't. But I think on purpose he taught his parables in such a way that every generation sees the potential that they may be the one that the Lord would come back. Now, ultimately, there will be one that it really is. And I believe that we're it. (laughs) I believe that we're living right now in the last days before Jesus Christ comes back for a number of different reasons. But some would say, oh, the Lord, he's been gone so long. He's been gone for 2,000 years. Who knows when he will come? But the Bible says that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. And so the Lord has really only been gone over the weekend and he's coming back tomorrow. (laughs) Amen. Essentially, having passed now two millenniums, if a millennium is as a day, we're just now on the verge of entering the third day. 
and God's way of reckoning. Let alone that right now, I mean, the greatest reason I believe Jesus is coming in this generation, let's put it this way. The last time that there was such a thing as physically a nation called Israel, guess who walked on planet earth? God manifest in the flesh, Jesus Christ. 2,000 years later, for almost 2,000 years, there was no such thing as Israel. And then all of a sudden in this last century, Israel is reborn, prophetically things are lining up very rapidly. And they're right now talking about making the final peace deal, Israel creating, dividing, separating Israel and Jerusalem and the Temple Mount, making friends, making peace. And that also is what the Bible said finally would happen. But the Bible prophets said, Paul, and the others that the moment that they hammer it out and the moment they say, see, we've done it, we've figured it out, we have peace, but they've done it not with the Lord. He says, then watch out because all of the demons of hell will come, all of the world will fall apart, many things will begin to happen very, very rapidly as uh, it makes its way into the tribulation, great tribulation, the Antichrist and the second coming of the Lord. So. Why, now again, verse 45, Jesus says, if that servant says in his heart, my master delays his coming and begins to do what? Beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and to be drunk. Then the master comes in an hour when he's not uh, waiting or not ready. Jesus tells us that the reason that teaching that the Lord delays his coming is so dangerous is that it leads to lazy living. It leads to slothfulness. It leads to somebody saying, you know what? All of a sudden you consider it, the seed is planted, then you, the seed is conceived. Yeah, you know what? I don't think he is gonna come. It's probably gonna be like every other generation in the last 2,000 years. I'm gonna live my whole life and then I'm gonna die anyway. So why not party? Why not live for now? Why not do what feels good and what's right? Why not join a little bit as it were in the world? Hey, the Lord isn't coming back right away, man. Let's party. And not only do you start getting drunk, you give in to the flesh on the one hand, but the result of getting into the flesh on the one hand results in mistreatment of other human beings, let alone brothers and sisters on the other hand. You beat them and you begin to feel justified in your anger and frustration and disappointment and anger and fear and all the rest of it. Jesus says, watch out. And that's what's so dangerous. I think that's one of the most dangerous things about those teachings doctrinally about the Lord delaying his coming and how it affects people's lives. When you know that Jesus is coming at any moment and he could come today, and you wanna live a pure life, amen? You wanna be ready for him. You, you, know, you don't wanna be doing certain things if Jesus comes back. So verses, uh, 45, look with me again. He says, if that servant says in his heart, my master delays his coming, begins to beat the male and female servants, to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come in the day when he is not looking for him, the hour he is not aware. Cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. The servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. Now he that did not know, in other words, those who didn't know the will of God uh, and yet did evil things, they too will be disciplined for it, but uh, to a lesser degree. Again, the word watch means to be alert. It means to be ready, to know the will of God. And what is the will of God? 
to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love your neighbor as yourself, to make disciples of all nations. And um, we must be about the business of our Father until He comes. You know, you have a responsibility. And with knowledge comes that responsibility of accountability before God. You say, well, what about, you know, the people that haven't heard and the people that don't know? Well, even in this parable, though it's not a teaching on the end days of judgment, it's a parable with a principle. And the purpose of this parable and the principle Jesus taught is God will be fair. He will not judge those harshly who did not know. They won't be held responsible for what they don't know. But those who do know and do know what his will is and don't do it will be held accountable. So if you know the will of God, be faithful. And if you have been called to serve in some way, serve the Lord with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The Lord will separate faithful believers from the unfaithful. He is going to reward those who were faithful with the gifts and talents that they were given, but the unfaithful servants will lose their reward. I put uh, what Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. Corinth was a compromised worldly church. It had a lot of carnal Christians. That means, yes, they're brothers and sisters, they're in Christ, but they've been living in and after the flesh. And he writes a very interesting thing, warning them of the day of judgment and accountability. So let's read 1 Corinthians 3, verses 13 through 15. Let's read this out loud. Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as by fire. That's going to be an interesting thing. You know, what does this look like exactly? I don't know, but here's this person standing before God, which is an awesome thing to think about. One day we're going to stand before God. Then they take your life's works and they bring it before the Lord and the fire, God's presence is like a holy fire and wood, hay, and stubble is burned up. Gold and silver, anything that is uh, precious will be rewarded. And I've often uh, used the analogy of the thief on the cross next to Jesus he did not have uh, much of a life work, did he? All he said was, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. When they put his life's work before the presence, the altar of God, it's going to go poof. I don't know why. I have a cartoon mind sometimes. I see this guy stands there and poof, this fire comes on him and he's got like burnt charcoal all over him, little smoke wisp coming off of him. And everybody kind of goes, whoa, even, you know, the angel's like, whoa, you know. And then he goes, but I'm still here. And then very quietly, he just walks into heaven, you know, with smoke coming off of him. Hey, but he was saved because he got right at the end. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Pastor Ray Bentley with insight today on the eternal matters we've been studying in 1 Corinthians 3 and in our main text in Luke chapter 12. Glad you've joined us today here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled, Be Faithful Till He Comes. 
If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. There at the homepage, there's a place to leave a written tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And by clicking Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can arrange to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions each day automatically at no charge, and also link to his YouTube and Facebook pages. So why not bookmark it, raybentley.com. And you'll find Pastor Ray's books, including his brand new one, The Final Witness, and The Cyrus Mandate, both page-turning prophetic fiction novels in the Elijah Chronicles series. You'll see End Times Prophecy in a whole new light. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.